Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm uh, Manny Manuel. This time we're doing it for real. Uh, a couple weeks ago I had a little mishap <laughs> I forgot. where I almost watched the wrong movie <laughs> for the podcast. Uh, so that was a mistake. This week it actually is in the name of the father and I actually did watch it. It's part four of our 1993 series. Uh, Manny, were you looking forward to this one at all, or uh, was this one was this one on your radar in any sort of major way? Well, yeah, I'd seen this back in, well, I would have seen it like in 1994, mm. like in preparation for the Oscars, uh, and I haven't watched it since. So yeah. I had almost no recollection of most of this movie, to the point where I forgot that Emma Thompson was even in it. Yeah, she. Uh, I know she has a brief part. I, we'll get to the specifics. Yeah, <laughs> get to the specific, specifics of Emma Thompson a bit down the road. But uh, this was one I was uh, intrigued by because I had watched the first ten minutes a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> which I wanted to ask about. How far in did you get? I made it through the. I won't get into specifics of what happened because we're not in spoilers. But uh, I made it through like the big first set piece. Okay. Uh, big first like action sequence sort of. Uh, I made it to Jerry getting on the boat. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so really you didn't really see anything. Exactly. I, well, luckily I posted in the group chat that I was going to be watching this, and you instantly just, like, responded in the group chat multiple times, texted, and you said you were about a text away from just calling me. Uh, about two minutes away from phone from a phone yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, luckily I was I was rescued and wound up watching uh, – I can never remember the name of that one. The Remains of the Day. The Remains of the Day. I, I don't know if I'll be able to remember that one for the entire series if we do it. It's uh, <laughs> fair. Yeah. At, at any rate, uh, excited to uh, to get going talking about this one today at some point. All right. But we have other stuff to do first. We do. I watched some movies this week. And let's start off with one that I know you've seen. I was just in the mood to watch something delightful fun and i was in the mood to watch my newest crush florence Pugh, so i rewatched black widow oh nice i've got that one coming up i think uh soon too because i'm doing an mcu rewatch i am this close to doing an mcu rewatch honestly you could catch up to us at this point we've <laughs> we're we're about so i'm i'm about to hit black widow because i'm doing it in chronological order within the universe mm-hmm. um so that means i have like infinity war Endgame. And like some of the new Spider-Man movies, I think at this rate, at the rate I am watching MCU movies, you could catch us easy. I know. The only thing is, I'm really enjoying knocking off a lot of my 1993 movies, mm-hmm. a little bit some of the more obscure ones that I either haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time, and I'm really kind of chipping away at my 2021 movies that I want to watch because I think I'm down to about like less than 10 that I want to watch. And the, if I'm not mistaken, actually, I think the Oscar nominations come out very quickly. Um, hold on. I actually want to know. When the Oscar noms come out? Yeah, I think they come out this weekend. Yeah, I can't seem to remember when they came out last year. It always sneaks up on me every time. You're usually the one who winds up informing me of when the Oscar noms come out each time. It also doesn't help that they keep changing when the Oscars are held each and every year. Yeah, hold on. Let's see here. 
Um. Yeah, I can't seem to find anything either. Oh, uh, oh, that's the Academy Awards. It says Sunday, Sunday, March twenty seventh, but that's for the actual ceremony. Uh, ceremony. Hmm. Uh. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, this is making great. Uh... <laughs> oh, nominations announced Tuesday, February eighth. Okay. Perfect. That's what I got. So that's next Tuesday. Ooh, nice. Five days away, baby. Wait, Tuesday, February 8th? Yeah, Tuesday, February 8th, nominations announced. And then Thursday, March 17th, the final voting begins, I guess. Oh, we have problems. Um, okay. Okay. We have problems? Why yeah. do we have problems? Uh, about next week's podcast. We'll have to discuss it at the end. I don't want to discuss it on there. Oh, that's fair. Um, actually, I can just tell you right now. Next week, uh, Skype. Okay, fine. Yep. Can't do it in person. <laughs> All right. Can't do it in person. That's fine. Uh, okay. Let's uh, back to Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I wanted to I wanted to watch something fun and enjoyable, and I wanted to see Florence Pugh again. Um, as uh, Yelena, and she's fucking amazing. Uh, Yelena is climbing the charts of my favorite MCU character pretty quickly. <clears throat> the movies, the movies, are just a, a perfect example of an MCU movie. It's fun. It's light. It's got good action scenes. The characters know what they're doing. This tone is set right. I had a great time. Florence Pugh fucking blows everybody out of the water i have a great time with this movie and of course it has third act problems black widow black widow four to five yeah a lot of people actually uh, i feel like i see mostly negative or maybe negative is the wrong word but people don't seem to be overjoyed about black widow the way we were i agree um and don't get me wrong i'm not sitting here saying it didn't have problems like you said uh the third act is a mess uh you know, Marvel has this habit of just like getting to the final set piece, and then, you know, if it's nonsensical from there, that's fine, <laughs> as far as they're concerned, as long as big bright things are exploding and or being chased after, and or aliens involved or whatever. So, like, really, um, and, then, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just yeah. thinking, like, only the ones that I, the MCU movies that I absolutely love, that I think are the cream of the crop, are the ones that don't have the third act problem. Mm-hmm. Endgame, Infinity War, Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the ones like most of the MCU, I'd say a majority of the MCU is a four out of five for me. Like a lot of the movies in the MCU are four out of five movies that I just really enjoy, but aren't quite like to that next level of yep. one of my favorites. The ones that are fives, usually a common denominator among them is that they have uh, a well-written third act. Something as simple as that. Yeah, just putting it over the top because really you just need that emotional payoff. So yeah, in my mind, I mean, Black Widow doesn't necessarily have the emotional payoff that it may have wanted, um, and Scarlett Johansson is outclassed in her own movie. Yeah, by, it, it's, by Florence Pugh. It's completely stolen from her yeah. by Florence Pugh. <laughs> and we say this, I I'll feel comfortable saying for you, we're both Scarlett Johansson fans. We both really liked her or like her as an actress, and I think she's really talented. Totally. Uh, she was in two of my favorite movies of uh, 2019, both Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. I thought she was awesome in both. I think she got nominated for both, right? 
Cur one, one for supporting, one for lead. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think she's a fantastic actress, and I like the Black Widow character, and I like the MCU. Uh, Florence Pugh, head and shoulders above her in this movie. Yeah. So, Big yeah. time. Black Widow would be a four out of five for me as well. Wicked. Uh, the next movie I watched was one that I was uh, looking forward to watching as it has an 82 Metascore, and it's a 2021 movie that I wanted to knock off, uh, starring uh, a Best Actor winner, Joaquin Phoenix. The movie's called Come On, Come On. Uh, when his sister asks him to look after her son, a radio journalist embarks on a cross-country trip with his energetic nephew to show him life away from Los Angeles. You rented this, right? <clears throat> sure did. Yeah. It was uh, available for rent, I think, on iTunes for like five bucks. The price dropped, so I immediately grabbed it, and I was like, I'll watch it when I get a chance. Because you get it, you, it stays in your library for 30 days. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready. And all I'd heard is that it's a great movie, it's a tearjerker. And as I started watching it, uh, it's black and white cinematography, uh, it's, it's shot gorgeously. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, giving a, a good performance, nothing that I feel is Oscar-worthy. And the kid is decent enough, not uh, not bad where it takes you out of the movie, but not mind-blowingly good. But I just couldn't connect with the movie. And as I continued to watch it, I just kept understand. I was fully aware and could understand why the movie was getting such great reviews and why people would love this movie. But I was just finding myself pretty disinterested and sadly unaffected and the last scene in the movie there is a nice little kind of monologue and moment from Joaquin Phoenix that if this movie had resonated with me in any way I would be a blubbering mess mm -hmm. but all I was left with was like mm, that really should have worked with me and I don't know why it didn't and so I was I I I hate to use the word disappointed because I'm fully aware of why people like this and why it's so lauded by everyone, but it just did not connect with me. Mm. And, and so I gave come on, come on a two out of five. I, yeah. I will. Wow. I will. That's, a, that's yeah. really surprising. I, I, it drops a point cause I'll never rewatch it ever. Mm. I will never watch this movie again. I have no reason to. You you will ten years from now when you go oh I remember that movie I remember being disappointed by it I wonder if anything's changed yeah it'll go, it'll nope. be like that but uh, <laughs> there will th I, there won't be a point where I'll be like hey we should watch come on come on mm. where I feel I have to I have to be able to say that at least for it to give a three or the movie has to be so technically brilliant that it deserves a three which it's not no not okay no it's beautifully. Beautifully photographed in black and white, and Joaquin Phoenix is fine. But I wasn't like, this guy's just a fucking genius. Hmm. Not here. Okay. So I was very sad. Uh, next up was a revisit of a movie, uh, again, uh, knocking off some 1993 films. And it was a movie I had seen, but had pretty much completely forgotten. And it has a very it has a, a an early performance from an actor, uh, I think that you and I both enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, I know for a fact he's in one of your all time favorite movies, uh, and his name is Christian Bale. Yes, indeed. The movie that we're talking about is Swing Kids. Uh, a group of teen 
a group of teens adores forbidden music in Nazi Germany just before the outbreak of World War II. Now, I remember thinking this movie was pretty decent. Um, it's got a 39 Metascore. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I had a pretty good time with it. Uh, Christian Bale is okay. But we have Robert Sean Leonard in this again. You would remember him as the lead in Dead Poet Society. Like, yes, I would. Not the Ethan Hawke character, obviously. No, no, no. He's the other one. Yeah, and I... He's Red Foreman's kid in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Sean Leonard in Dead Poet Society, I think, is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like, just... I, I, I think he's, like, just below Oscar level. And... I, it's in this movie again where he has a lot of moments where it's again it's just below like award recognition level uh, the movie is I also see uh, Frank Whaley listed yeah yeah he's he's a pretty major got a pretty major part in here mm, cool. a, a very a very kind of juicy supporting role um Honestly, I think the thirty-nine Metascore is really low. Uh, I would, I, I really wish I could. I wish I had had the time to uh, maybe read some of these poor reviews it got to see what their problem was. But I, f- I found myself entertained enough, not enough where I would recommend it. Uh, the one thing it did remind me of, and I, I, I'm sure I, I know that I've pointed out to you before because you were kind of. Uh, flabbergasted by this but swing music made a little bit of a comeback in the early 90s yeah yeah. and uh like i said before they would actually play swing music at the nightclubs and people would swing dance yeah that surprises the hell out of me yeah it was fucking cool and so the dancing in here is pretty decent it's not great but it's pretty decent the music is really good and i don't know it was okay uh i gave swing kids a three out of five I'm sure uh, anybody who's seen both of these movies will uh, will have to let us know both Come On, Come On and Swing Kids because the fact that you gave the one with the 82 Metascore is it a 2 and mm-hmm. Swing Kids has a Metascore in the 30s, he gave it a 3. Complete reversal of what uh, what one would expect. But yeah, hey, if you like it, you'll like it. Yeah, Swing Kids, uh, Swing Kids was an entertaining movie. Come On, Come On was not for me. Yeah. Next movie is a movie that you and I reviewed uh, almost a year ago to the day, and that's Groundhog Day. <laughs> Weird. What a coincidence. I watched it yesterday on Groundhog Day, and if you want to know my thoughts on it, you can listen to the Groundhog Day episode that we released yesterday. Yeah. Or you can listen to the one we released last year on Groundhog Day. I got you, babe. Yeah. I got you, babe. Yeah. Uh, what a what an iconic movie. I can't remember what I gave it for a rating. You gave it a four? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I gave it a five. Yeah. Slam dunk, easy five for me. Uh, for those of you that don't know this movie, that is unfortunate. Uh, but as a self-centered Pittsburgh weatherman finds himself inexplicably trapped in a small town as he lives the same day over and over again. This movie is so good and is so iconic that has reached the level of being a genre onto its own. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, you know, like there's Happy Death Day, which is a horror Groundhog Day. 
Yeah, Palm Springs, a movie and a movie that you and I both love. Yes, is uh, is Groundhog Day in Palm Springs. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> this movie is it's a Bill Murray fucking showcase, and I had a blast watching it. Uh, once Chards knew I was watching at the same time, him and I were blasting texts back and forth in the chat group, quoting the movie incessantly, I'm sure annoying everyone. And uh, yeah, I just had a great time. This movie is a classic for me, uh, an easy five out of five. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe I'm just less Bill Murray's target audience for comedies. I don't dislike him by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. I just... That that brand of comedy, I guess, is is less effective on me. I feel like every time we talk about a Bill Murray movie, I'm like a star beneath you because it was the same thing with uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yep. I, I for some reason just Ghostbusters does not tickle my funny bone the way it does for everybody else. I like the movie. I, I'm probably gonna watch it next Halloween just like I did this one, but I'm not like. It could also have something to do with the fact I didn't grow up on Groundhog Day, or I didn't grow up on Ghostbusters, where totally. I did grow up on Groundhog Day. You're but. you're you're preaching to the choir because what you're saying about Bill Murray is what I say about Will Ferrell. Yeah. Except I think, with the I exception think you, have that, a low, you have a lower opinion of Will Ferrell than I do of Bill Murray. Yes, though. but you're you're just not quite at that level where I'm nowhere near the level. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah for, for some reason every time Bill Murray shows up in some I'm not like upset. I just I'm not overjoyed. Mhm. Except gotcha. for Zombieland, that cameo is awesome. That's I think that is the greatest cameo of all time. That's a strong statement, and I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I remember when I saw it in the theater, I went fucking apeshit. <laughs> apeshit. When they pull up to the gate that says BM, and Woody Harrelson says, it ain't Bob Marley. <laughs> From that moment on. Yeah. So. When he says, I regret nothing except Garfield, I lost my yeah. mind. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's a great movie. I should rewatch Zombieland. The last movie is a movie that I can't talk about. Because Sam hasn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And it is the Manny Movie Club pick this week. Oh, yeah. A movie called Begin Again, uh, starring uh, Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo and Adam Levine of Maroon 5. In a Weird. V- yeah, he's got a very large role. Interesting. Who, who selected this one? Chards. Chards did. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, uh, are you going to omit your star rating then? Oh, yeah. Okay. Unless you want to know. I respect that. Unless you want to know. I don't want to know. Okay. Not yet. A chance encounter between a down-and-out music business executive and a young singer-songwriter new to Manhattan turns into a promising collaboration between the two talents. 62 Metascore. I will say nothing as I don't want to uh, sway your opinion or ruin anything for you. So I just want to mention that I saw it, and when you watch it, I look forward to discussing it with you. I'll say this. I think that you're going to like this movie, Sam. Okay. Good to know. I think I think you're going to like this movie, and you should definitely make the effort to watch it. Okay. I, I shall. Perfect. I always do with the movie club picks, as you know. Scheduling is tight. Yeah. Around these parts. But uh yeah, I will uh I will make an effort to do that. Perfect. Okay, so that sounds like it's what you've been watching. Yeah, uh, I made it I short have, and sweet. I have two movies and a TV show. I did finish part one of season four of Ozark. Okay. 
Um, I won't get too in-depth onto it here because I'm just going to encourage... While we're in the early early release of this TV show, I don't want to spoil it too much on air, I don't think. Um, I will say a couple of things. I think it's a great season. There's a new villain introduced who is uh, as intimidating and fierce as any other villain we've seen in the show to date. Mm -hmm. And one who really had the potential right from the word go to throw a wrench into things for the birds. I like him as a character. Mm -hmm. We also have maybe the best acted scene of the entire series by somebody not named Laura Linney uh, (laughs) in episode seven of season four uh julia garner who plays ruth has a seat you know the one i'm talking about i assume uh, the one, yeah the one in the bird's kitchen yep or in their dining room i guess yep uh that is <laughs> she was allowed to just go and go for it she really goes over the top it is um you know how you and I always talk about a, a Tom Wilkinson performance like in the style of Tom Wilkinson from uh, In the Bedroom where it's like a really like subtle, understated performance, not a lot of outbursts or like anger, and they don't tend to get a lot of recognition just because they're really subtle, but they're still good. This is the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> this is her every emotion that a human being can experience in those in that 30 second scene she experiences and it is, she knocks it out of the fucking part. And it's, part. Tr- and was, it's true to the character. That's the best yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true to the character, and it's so well done, and I was absolutely flabbergasted, and I knew in in that moment, I'm like, that was the best acted scene of the series, right there. Yeah. That was incredible. Uh, so yeah, uh, season four of Ozark, part one, again, at the time of recording, only the first seven episodes of season four have been released, and the next seven will need to wait. Um, but as of as of recording, only the first half is out, and it's really good. And if you haven't watched Ozark, you probably should. Agree wholeheartedly. Okay. <laughs> um, I watched a movie I have described in the group chat as a guilty pleasure, but uh, Rachel has encouraged me that that's uh, the wrong description, and that it's just a good movie. Um, it's one that I happen to know many hasn't seen. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, it's called Hairspray. It's from 2007. Pleasantly plump teenager Tracy Turnblad teaches 1962 Baltimore a thing or two about integration after landing a spot on a local TV dance show. Uh, This movie is silly and cheesy, and the music is insanely catchy. I I would stop just short of saying I grew up with this movie. It came out when I was 10, and I watched it a couple of times with my sister, and I enjoyed it every time. And now I've watched it a couple of times with Emma, and I have also enjoyed it every time. The music's good. The performances are solid. Um, the lead in the movie it was played by uh, Nikki Blonsky. Never really went to do anything after this, which is a shame because uh, I would think she had a uh, she would have gone on to have a pretty successful uh, musical career after this. Maybe she did in uh, in theater or something. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But as far as film is concerned, she really hasn't. Um, this is a basic movie <laughs> with cartoonish villains and you know silly side characters christopher walken is in this movie and is his usual christopher walken self it's a lot of fun the dance numbers are great the songs are great the costumes are bright and colorful i give it a four i have a good time with it every time it's a little simplistic in some of its commentary on race but even that is for the type of movie that it is i'm not looking for it to end world hunger or anything like that it's just (laughs) it's just it's just a good fun time 
and I have a fun time with it every time it's four. Sure. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, I don't really think you can call it a guilty pleasure if it has an 81 Metascore. Yeah, well, I didn't... I The first time I talked to you about this movie, I remember being like, oh, like really embarrassed about saying that I like this movie. I had no idea that its Metascore was that high. 81 is really good, and as it should be, it's a well-put-together movie. Absolutely it is. The side characters are all silly and fun. Uh, like, Christopher Walken's character is good. Uh... Is that Michelle Pfeiffer I see? It is Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, she is, uh, I would describe her as the primary antagonist or one of the primary antagonists. Oh. And she is very over the top, very over the top villainous. And I, she's having a good time with it, as is everybody, really. Right. Um, you know, this is when Zac Efron was like peak Zac Efron coming off a high school musical, next hot new thing. Uh, and he's Isn't he the usual. still the next hot new thing? Yeah, we're still waiting on that, I guess. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's about all I have to say about Hairspray. There's no in-depth analysis I can give on it. It's just a fun fucking time. If you okay. want a, a fun movie, it ab- absolutely fits the bill. All right. Um, oh, you know what? I think I exited out of the one I actually wanted to talk about. Where are we going here? Uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about as far as the movie is concerned is the previous Manny Movie Club pick. I don't necessarily have a ton to say about it, but I did watch it. It's called Dope. Life changes for Malcolm, a geek who's surviving life in a tough neighborhood after a chance invitation to an underground party leads him and his friends into a Los Angeles adventure. I was pretty invested in the first half of this movie. I thought the setup was pretty fun. I thought uh, the characters were all really well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shamik Moore as Malcolm is incredibly dweeby yep. <laughs> and geeky. And him and his group of friends are the ch- most charming thing about this movie. This this tight knit group of friends who get thrust into this uh, this underground world of crime uh, is is really fun. Was really fun to watch in the beginning. Uh, the writing in the back half just takes a couple of weird turns that I was so not on board for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets a little bit too. I don't know. Stream of consciousness. Let's say okay. things just happen and our characters react. It's um, it's a bit of an odyssey. Some people might be into that. It it didn't have me at every turn. At the very least, it got some good laughs out of me. I thought the characters were really well written, uh, even if the plot in the back half of the movie didn't make a lot of sense. We were talking about this in the uh, in the chat group that we had for this movie, about how there's a couple of plot points introduced in the first half of this movie that just really aren't brought back. Mm-hmm. Like they had, they clearly just had way too many ideas for this plot, and then just a lot of stuff didn't even come back. It's a little too busy. It could have benefited from a couple of rewrites. It's an hour 43. Um, I think it needed to either be longer or shorter. <laughs> it was like it was like the exact wrong length. Either they should have trimmed some of the fat and uh, removed some of the extraneous plot points, which didn't come back, or they needed to take the time and develop them properly. But uh, uh, yeah, so writing was a little bit amiss, but the aesthetics of it and the, uh, the tight-knit group of friends that were introduced, you made it a worthwhile time for a comedy. I gave it a three. Alright, yeah, that's that's what I think that's what I gave it as well. I think it seemed pretty consensus three in the group chat. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, that's all I've been watching. Alright, well that's what we've been watching. We breezed through that. Yeah, we did. Fucking A. Fucking we like, must be tired. In like record time, actually. Yeah. Uh well I, there's not really a lot to discuss in those in those films. Yeah, exactly. Like like yeah. we you and I don't have a lot of crossover. 
in that we've seen the ones that we were talking about. Yeah, like if we had had a film shared between us where we had both seen it, we might dive into it a little bit deeper. But I know I've talked about Hairspray before on the podcast, so I really don't want to rehash it all that much. All right. Mm. Well, let's dive into a movie that you and I both have seen, mm-hmm. and that's In the Name of the Father. It was released on February 24th, 1994. <gasps> that was the wide release that had a limited release on December 29th, 1993 to make it eligible for the Oscars. Cheaters. Head Cheaters. Why it's a 1993 film. Directed mm-hmm. by Jim Sheridan. Written by Terry George and Jim Sheridan based off the Jerry Conlon book. Starring our good friend Dan Lewis, Pete Postlewaite, and Emma Thompson. Has a Metascore of 84. It went 0 for 7 at the Oscars. Seven noms, zero statues. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Dan Lewis, Best Supporting Actor for Pete Postlewaite, Best Supporting Actress for Emma Thompson, Best Director for Jim Sheridan, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Had a budget of $13 million and made $25 million in the U.S., $65 million worldwide. People around the world like this movie more than North Americans. The plot... A man's coerced confession to an IRA bombing he did not commit results in the imprisonment of his father as well. An English lawyer fights to free them. These IMDb plot synopses I feel are getting worse every time we read one. IMDb is good for a lot of things. The synopses are not one of them. I agree. Sam, why don't you give us your spoiler-free thoughts on In the Name of the Father? So, In the Name of the Father is one that I didn't know anything about except for the 10 minutes of it that I watched a few weeks ago. Um, I didn't realize this is based on a true story. Uh, and what a horrifying story it is. <sighs> the idea that, you know, this is not that long ago. This uh, Jerry Con- Conlon was released from prison, what, in the late 80s, 89, I think? Yeah, roughly. That is not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And I mean, shit like this happens all the time i'm sure really we just don't know about it until after the fact um the fact that this man was uh well i won't get into the specifics of it since we're technically in spoilers even though this is real life you can't really spoil it but the fact that this man endured what he had to endure is an absolute injustice yeah and something that i think more people should be aware of it is um a brutal and inspiring story uh I thought that it, the movie was insanely well acted from our good friend Dan Lewis, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Sir Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, the late, great Pete Postlewaite, <laughs> as we call him around these parts, Yeah. Uh, who, uh, if anybody has seen The Town, uh, <laughs> I, I my first experience with him, with Pete Postlewaite, was uh, as the florist from The Town, uh, who is a fucking great character. Um, he's also really good in Usual Suspects, so he's he's a guy who on the off chance he pops up in a movie that we're watching we are always delighted always delighted i don't think i've seen him do a role that i wasn't tickled with yeah and then uh you and i have uh in recent years when we've been going back in time and doing 95 94 and now 93 we have had a good number of emma thompson performances as well yeah. yeah yeah i mean even just recently uh, we were talking about the movie that is not in the name of the father, the one that is called The Remains of the Day. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we were talking about The Remains of the Day. Same thing. Emma Thompson just uh, time after time impresses us with her 
uh, sincerity in her performances. This one is no exception. Uh, this subject matter, also, the Troubles in Northern Ireland, is something that I didn't learn a lot about in school, but am becoming increasingly fascinated by with some of the media that surrounds it. In the Name of the Father, of course, it takes place during the Troubles. Uh, Manny and I recently talked briefly about a movie called Belfast, which came out in 2021 which also takes place during the Troubles. Um, a little bit of a different spin. I don't think I've talked about this show, but there's a little 12-episode uh, comedy series on Netflix called Dairy Girls, uh, which takes place during the Troubles as well, which is also a, a really funny comedy, and uh, it, it takes place with this backdrop of uh, a country at war mm-hmm. with one another and with this uh, religious... Uh, with this religious war being fought, how family is being torn apart from family and uh, friends just down the street from each other are being alienated due on the basis of being a Catholic or a Protestant. Um, it's just a, a, a fascinating period of time for me. And it's, like I said, not that long ago. Um, so having not known much about In the Name of the Father going in, I was pretty surprised. The highlights are definitely the, the aforementioned performances. Um the cinematography for a best picture nom I found kind of unremarkable. Yeah. No nomination uh, for it, so not surprising. Yeah, which is respect. Not that it was bad, it's just, you know, maybe left something to be desired. We're yeah. just used to seeing something a little bit more with the movies that we watch as far as the best picture noms are concerned. But I was thoroughly impressed. It was a story I didn't know, and I felt like I learned something coming out of it. And of course, we had uh, three in particular phenomenal, phenomenal performances at the helm. Uh, what more can you ask for? I-, I had a good time. Yeah, I know I saw this back in 94, just before the Oscars came out as I prepped for the Oscars this year. And I remember I remember a few things. Um, but all in all, I, I didn't have a lot of memories. So I, w- I was looking forward to this. Because when I watched it back in 94, I was a 19-year-old kid. So now being older, what would I think of it now with a little bit more maturity in my, uh, in my, in myself? And I found myself really enjoying the movie. Uh, it really is carried... Um, I don't want to say it's carried by three performances because Emma Thompson's performance really doesn't begin until near the end. And mm-hmm. all f- full disclosure right now, she only gets a Best Supporting Actress nomination for because of that one scene. One scene, yeah, which, which is, is a, which is a great scene. Holy fuck, <laughs> is it a good scene? And as uh, a, I'm like, okay, this is because as I'm watching it, I knew she was nominated. I'm like, what the f- why? I'm like, wow. And then that scene comes, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Well, you know that this movie is chock full of historical inaccuracies as well. I'm sure you discovered that. We'll get to more specifics, uh, I'm sure, in spoilers. But um, that scene that Emma Thompson won her nomination or got her nomination in did not happen in her life. Sure didn't. That did not happen. Yeah. That's one Uh, of the things. This movie definitely plays a little fast and loose with the facts when you start getting into it, which is pretty unfortunate. It's it's so incredibly common with true stories that people don't even understand how often that happens yeah like the social network is not a true story no sorry people it's not even close to being a true story sorry to break your heart yeah i uh yeah sorry to break my heart that's one of your favorite movies (laughs) yeah no break your heart as in people in general ah yes yeah 
I, I see. But uh, yeah, this one, while it didn't bother me because I didn't really know at the time that they were historical inaccuracies, when I found out after the fact, I was like, wow, that's basically the entire story like being unwound. Like Jerry Conlon and his father did endure the things that they endured, but let's say a rather crucial aspect <laughs> of their time in prison was completely fabricated. Yes. Which is really unfortunate. Yes. And thinking about this movie. But, I mean, it's not unfortunate enough for me to, like, knock it down a star or anything like that. Interesting. Curious, if you had known that very crucial detail, Mm -hmm. would it have diminished your enjoyment of this movie? I don't think so. Uh, Like, I can't really explain it. It, It's sort of, um, let's say it's case by case. Uh, There are some movies I, I guess it depends on the exact transgression but there are circumstances where a historical inaccuracy of that size would really bug me mm-hmm. I think the the main idea of this movie or let's say the uh, you know the primary function to show the injustices that these men endured that's still solid that's not undermined that's not fabricated yep I think that's still real, and that's why this, in this case it doesn't really bug me all that much. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, there are definitely instances where something like that would would piss me off for sure. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you, totally with you. <laughs> like my <laughs> like my ongoing minor quibble with Moneyball. Remind me that they don't mention that they have three aces on their oh, fucking yeah. team. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how about that Peter Brand doesn't exist? Jonah Hill's character is, like, really a mixture of, I think, two or three real people. Yeah. Anyway, All right. that's neither here nor there. All right. Let's get into spoilers. Uh, for in It the... doesn't fit the narrative, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dishonest. They just omit it. They also don't ever talk about how they have an MVP shortstop and an incredibly gifted and gold glove third baseman. Yeah, well, I gotta tell you something, man. Chris Pratt actually doesn't play baseball. It's... <laughs> <laughs> he never played for the A's. <laughs> that's now you're you're stretching it because that's an actor playing a real person. Yeah, I know. It's it's a joke, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we won't uh, we won't get into the weeds on Moneyball for the zillionth time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spoilers for in the name of the Father in three, two, one, uh, go. Fuck yourself. <clears throat> uh, I liked the song over the opening credits. It sounded, it almost sounded like Radiohead to me. I had to, I had to Google who it actually was. It was uh, Alison Crosby. The song was "Girl and Pub." Oh. I was a big fan of that off the bat. It was very '90s, which you know, very '90s, very fitting. We start off with an opening explosion, which I forgot happened. Caught me off guard. I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> yeah, we get going right away. Hey, yeah. Between the explosion. And the riot that we are about to see. This movie wastes no time uh, with the pacing. I thought it was really good. It was really, really cool way to start the movie. This riot, um, this is, uh, <laughs> this is all done practically, obviously, with mm-hmm. the with the era, uh, and the riot is huge in scope. When I say that this movie's cinematography didn't really wow me, uh, this is probably an exception. The big wide shots that we have of riot police taking on crowds and molotov cocktails being thrown into crowds and bricks being thrown like all of that in a wide shot in camera is uh is really cool 
Mm-hmm. Re- really effective, I thought. So the first, like, <clears throat> I don't know, it felt like the first 15, 20, well, actually, quite a bit of it is to really set up the character. Is he is he a character because he's a real-life person? Yeah. Right? It's still a character. It's still a narrative. It's yeah. still a character, for sure. The character of Jerry Conlon. Mm-hmm. And it's to set up what truly, how he got to where he was and why he was there to set up how much injustice he truly suffered. Mm-hmm. Now, the Irish were definitely looked down upon by uh, by people from England. Definitely. And uh, the troubles didn't help it as well. The whole... The whole getting him to London and stuff like that, I kind of found myself because did you know what the story was gonna be going into it at all, Sam? Um, I think I had read a synopsis. Okay, I had read that he was going to be jailed for a crime he didn't commit. Okay, I didn't really know what it was. I mean, I assumed from the opening pub bombing that that's what it was going to be. But yeah, so. okay. Um, so for me, because I know this story. Mm-hmm. because I'd watched the movie. Um, I kind of felt myself wanting to get to the arrest. So I found, like, I it's a, I, I don't know the exact time, but it feels like 15 to 25 minutes of him in Belfast and then in London doing the hippie life before that bombing comes. Mm-hmm. And I I did find myself kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, this is really taking its time to get where it needs to go yeah i i will say i don't have any notes really through the moment where he meets paul hill on the boat yep uh to the arrest i really don't have a ton of notes between there because yeah it's just him falling into the hippie lifestyle uh and the movie i guess is wise in retrospect to show us what kind of person he was yep uh warts and all just because it as shitty as it is to say, it makes sense that if anyone was to be scapegoated for this crime, that they would take the drug-using thief who was sleeping on a park bench. Yeah. Uh, as as just so. Oh, no one will care if we'll throw this guy into jail. You know. Yeah, and I don't mean to feel. I don't mean to imply that the movie is slow at the beginning. If this mm-hmm. was a first watch, I would have zero problem with this. But it's because this is my rewatch. This setup, I'm like. I already know this in my head. And so I, I'm just like, I don't really want to watch this. I want to get to the good parts. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my, that's my own problem to deal with. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, degrading the movie for that. I just relaying my own feelings as I was waiting for the parts that I was really looking forward to, to finally start. Uh, I, one, one moment in this, um, in this, section of the movie that i related to was where he's on the phone with uh, with his dad <laughs> and he's on the phone with giuseppe and he's broke and hungry and doesn't have a place to sleep and his dad's asking him so how are you doing for money how are you doing for a job and he's like oh you know i got a couple of things on the go he just straight up lies to his dad and tells <laughs> tells him that he's doing fine i've definitely done that <laughs> <laughs> especially when i was just kind of first out on my own when i moved to alberta for a little bit just like fucking broke and i mean i wasn't homeless like this guy was and you you know using drugs every night but there's definitely been i think everyone's kind of experienced that to a degree where they're 
not doing great in one aspect or another and someone you care about goes so how you been you're like oh i'm doing so great i'm doing really good (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean totally fair yeah uh all right let's get to the night of the bombing so they have a falling out with their uh hippie commune is the best way i could that's uh, a great descriptor yes uh they kick them out so they are now homeless uh, one of the jealous uh, English boys doesn't like that uh, this Irish lad is macking on his lady. Mm-hmm. So they get kicked out uh, as they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. They meet uh, another homeless guy because they're on his bench, and his name is Charlie Burke. They spend a lot of time establishing this man's name. Yeah. I wonder if it will become important later in the movie. Yes, in Didioso, <laughs> which actually th- they they need to hammer it home. Because the payoff at the end is so fucking worth it. Yeah, that's very true. It's part of that end scene that is just absolutely fucking mic drop awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, break into a hooker's house. Or Jerry does. Paul doesn't. Yeah. Paul Fu- really got roped into that. Yeah. Jerry has some fun with some sex toys and a whip. And <laughs> by, by himself. By himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Good on you, Jerry. Yeah, enjoys uh, in, enjoys his little time in there and then finds a stack of cash. And they return back to Belfast in uh, identical clothes with the same shoes, which again pays off. Uh-huh. I love uh, the outfit yes. that, the, that Jerry has when he, when he struts back into his home to parade uh, what is presumably his newfound wealth. Yes. He's just throwing money all over the place. He's wearing this, like, fur coat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Basically dressed like a pimp. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> looks exactly like a pimp. Uh, <laughs> then there's a news report, and his sisters point out that the shoes he bought are on TV. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment of genuine fear on Jerry's face. Now, it's this next part that had me confused so i had to do some research but the police grab him and take him to the uk when he's in ireland he is in northern Northern ireland Ireland. which is indeed part of the uk yes which i did not know yes indeed yeah uh so that was I was like, I'm like, holy fuck, you can just fucking extradite somebody without any fucking due process? Have uh, you, I mean, even if even if Northern Ireland wasn't in the UK, British Empire is going to do what the British Empire is going to do. <laughs> very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, much like the US does right now. Ew. <laughs> Their war on terror, they just, I, I think it was just today or yesterday, they, they killed the head of ISIS. Oh, really? Yeah. I straight up did not hear that. Yeah. Team America, at it again. Yeah. America. Fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a funny movie. Agreed. Okay. The this is and this is at the point where the movie for me starts to get very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, they passed the new law in the UK, uh which the I, Prevention of Terrorism Act. Yeah. So they can hold somebody for seven days without charging them. Which that's, is pretty fucked up. That's really fucked Definitely up. Definitely the kind of law that governments love passing during wartime. Yeah. Uh, and they always, they always have these, these funny sorts of names. The Prevention of Terrorism Act. 
you know, the Patriot Act. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they always have these these cute little names that are like, oh, this is this sounds like a good thing. There couldn't possibly anything be anything evil wrapped up in this law. <laughs> yes, and this interrogation scene, which runs on for a while, or I guess not even scene, it's a section of the mm. movie, is hard to watch and yet enthralling to witness i'm in my brief brief research on this uh, apparently the interrogation or i mean i won't beat around the bush the torture of yep. jerry yep it was actually uh even more significant in real life apparently he was stripped naked and had a gun held in his mouth uh, much like paul, paul i think claims yeah paul claims yep uh that also happened to jerry um yeah, I, I like the way the interrogation scene begins with this long, drawn-out silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both just waiting for the other to be the first one to speak. Uh, it's a really chilling scene, and the fact that there are people... The fact that there, there are people in the world capable of doing this to somebody, and the fact that those people are in positions of power is frightening. I agree. It's very, it's very frightening. I agree. Uh, the movie stays here and shows us what Jerry has to go through because they this whole movie is about the travesty that befell this man mm-hmm. and we need to understand what he had to endure what as this is continuing and because I know that Giuseppe ends up getting pulled in I keep wondering I'm like how does his dad get roped in and then it it comes to pass when Giuseppe comes to help get his son out of jail or out of being held yeah and the whole family is accused of being a terrorist cell which is so fucked up it's because they so they claim up. to have found trace amounts of nitroglycerin on uh on some uh are they gloves? Like, yeah. Uh, what do you call them? Like dish gloves? Yeah. Or whatever. Some rubber gloves. Can you ima- like? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. Mm. The first moment where we get to see our good friend Dan Lewis really kind of show off what he's <laughs> capable of. Yeah. Is is he is here when? Um, in, in two instances for me, when Paul Hill breaks and comes in and says that he's confessed, and when the cop threatens to kill Giuseppe. Yeah, I'm gonna kill your da. Yeah. Oh man, when he leaned over and whispered that, I was like, "You fucking asshole!" Yeah. Like, oh my god. Like they they really pulled out all the stops in uh, in making Jerry break. And as uncomfortable as it is to watch, uh, the movie is wise to, you know, not really shy away all that much from the mental anguish mm-hmm. that he had to endure. Like, uh, when I read the synopsis of the movie, I, when I read that it was a false confession that they had drawn out of him, when he confessed to a crime that he didn't commit, the first thing that popped into my head, I was like, wow, why would anyone, like, under what circumstances would somebody confessed to a crime they didn't commit then watching the movie i was like oh right torture exists yeah (laughs) yeah oh my cushy lifestyle and living in a first world country yeah 
I would confess to the murder of Jimmy Hoffa if somebody even threatened to hurt me. Yes. Same. I, 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 I fully admit right now I would not stand up under torture. No, we've talked about this before. Yeah. You uh, wouldn't even have to get think, creative. Like, one swing to my jaw and I'd be like, what do you want me to sign? Yeah. <laughs> that, that really hurt. So if anybody listening needs any information out of me and Manny, don't even bother with the torture, honestly. Just the threat of torture really yeah. will, yeah, yeah, I will buckle. Yeah, I will tell you all the things that I have done that I don't care to admit. Please don't yeah. hurt me. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. Yeah. So he's taken to jail, to prison, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. And that scene where he looks through and sees Giuseppe's there. I initially thought this was a hallucination because the the interrogation scene is shot a little frantically mm-hmm. to, to mirror the state of mind that he's in. And he's also accused by one of the uh, by one of the policemen uh, of hallucinating when the guy says, I'm going to kill your dies. Like, no, 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 he didn't say that. You're just hallucinating. And they're sort of they're gaslighting him into mm-hmm. believing that he's just imagining this stuff. And he's becoming a little unraveled. So when he sees Giuseppe through the door. I was like, oh, okay, like, this is a hallucination. This has got to be a hallucination, because why the fuck would Giuseppe be in this jail? Yeah. And then, lo and behold, he really is in the movie. (laughs) So, (laughs) Which is what we got to. Go ahead. Yeah, so in the non-spoiler section, we alluded to one aspect of the Conlin's uh, imprisonment was largely fabricated or entirely fabricated. That is the fact that they actually were never in the same prison. They yeah. were they were never in the same prison together, from my understanding. So, uh, let alone the same cell. Yes. The movie shows them to be in the same cell a lot of the time. Yeah. Obviously, also not true. Not possible if they weren't in the same prison in the first place. So, um, kind of a really unfortunate detail. I get why they did it. They from have like to a do c- they, from they, a cinematic perspective. For narrative reasons, they have to be in the same jail. Yeah, but like this is this is kind of the point I would make is if you need to make huge sweeping changes to a story to make it a proper narrative, maybe you shouldn't be adapting that story to the big screen, you know? Like, if if a story isn't very cinematic to begin with, maybe question whether it's the right story for you to be telling. I'm, that being said, I'm glad this movie exists, mm-hmm. because I think it's important for people to know what happened to these men, but nonetheless, I found it a bit disappointing after the fact that this wasn't really the case. Uh, that never bothered me. Mm-hmm. That never bothered me. Okay. It, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. I know that for reasons for for cinematic reasons, filmmakers need to blur the truth of what really happened, and that's why it says based on a true story. It does yep, not 100%. say does not say a true story. Mm-hmm. It says based on a true story. What so movie they, is what movie is it that begins with some of this shit actually happened? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, there's there's some movie. If you're listening and you know what movie that is, you have to let me know. Because there's there's a movie. Oh, you know what it is, actually? I think it is, I want to say Vice, I think. Maybe it's an Adam McKay movie. I don't Possibly. Know. Oh, I'm going to look that up. I you don't go wa- ahead. I don't want to talk about Adam McKay. <laughs> so they're in jail. They are in the same cell, and we get another <laughs> another reminder of how great... Uh, DDL is and this is the I'm not good enough kind of monologue where he's angry over what's going on but takes it out on Giuseppe 
starts talking about how Giuseppe came to one of his soccer matches, football, and didn't kind of react the way he should. And Jerry's never let it go. And it's kind of funny to hear that because Giuseppe's so positive throughout this movie, Mm -hmm. always kind of holding on to hope. Yeah, we're largely just told about Giuseppe not being the greatest father to Jerry when they were younger. Which is which when you think back to the riot scene we saw in the beginning, all that we've seen from Giuseppe is in my in my opinion, being a good father and protecting his son. Big time. Yeah, so I think if this is the case, like if we are to root for Jerry in this movie, which I mean he's our protagonist, I feel like we should see Giuseppe being a little bit shitty at some point. I think right? we're I think we're supposed to go with uh, like an unreliable narrator everybody like he while we're supposed to cheer for jerry he was a thief oh totally yeah he was kind of a, a shitty guy the movie definitely does make him out to be dishonest mm-hmm. for so, sure which as we said earlier makes him uh, the perfect scapegoat yeah. uh american hustle was the movie that begins with the title oh, card yes. some of this shit actually happened i can't remember if it actually says shit or if it's just some of this actually happened mm, i don't know regardless. good movie Yes, great movie. Better watch. than Vice. Mm-hmm. Much better than Vice. Mm-hmm. The family come to visit the two boys, or I guess father and son, mm. and they do this throughout the whole movie that their visits are not solitary. There's always somebody in the room with them. Yeah, so UK prison is a lot different than American prison. That's the main thing I learned yeah. in this movie is that you can just send your family members puzzles that are dipped in acid uh, in UK prison and they'll just let you have them, <laughs> which I don't think would happen in an American prison. Yeah. Also, no no glass between them uh, at the interaction, but there's officers galore yeah. uh, as they're interacting with their family. There's officers completely surrounding them. Yeah. Uh, Giuseppe still so positive mm-hmm. saying you know they'll get through this they'll work it through and um, we get to the trial where I would guess that because the uh, the Guildford Four know they're innocent that they're not really taking this trial seriously yeah a lot of outbursts yeah. and like they're as has been established they're, most of these people are criminals in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one would have to imagine it, there's not a big point made that they're the most learned people mm-hmm. of all time, yeah. let's say. Uh, so, I mean, it's entirely possible they just they just have grossly overestimated their chances of walking free. Here. Yes. And yeah, they're, as you said, they're not really taking it too seriously. A lot of outbursts, a lot of interruptions. They're not endearing themselves. No. Uh, their, their lawyers have done a very poor job of preparing them for this trial. Yes. Should be the lawyer's job to go, hey, let me do the talking, sit down, and shut the fuck up. Yeah. No yeah, giggling. This is serious. And all no that giggling. Kinda, yeah. No playing fucking hangman in the in the in the trial. Yeah. You know? It's uh it's it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh the inspector lying about the torture. This it's this this scene, this trial scene. That reminds me uh, a lot 
of uh, Mangrove. Yeah, very true. That was the first thing I thought of, too. I mean, both Mangrove and Trial of the Chicago 7, mm -hmm. but more so Mangrove in particular, just because the powdered wigs, man, just, <laughs> just so ridiculous. Do they still wear the powdered wigs in the UK right now? I think they must in the highest courts. Hmm. I'm going to say that they probably do. Because right. if there's one thing the UK loves, it's tradition. Very true. Jerry being forced to confess about the robbery definitely paints him in a pretty bad picture mm -hmm. on the stand. Well done by the prosecutor. Uh, which is funny because he should have had to have told his lawyer about that because it is part of his alibi. Mm -hmm. uh, Again, historical inaccuracies probably. Yeah. But whatever. Um, and then the verdict comes. And even though we know that they're going to get a guilty verdict because that's the premise of the movie, it's still hard to watch. Especially because the judge fucking rubs some salt in this wound. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find this quote. Um... It is a pity you were not charged with treason to the crown, a charge that carries a penalty of death by hanging, a penalty which I would have no difficulty passing in this case. Yeah. That is fucking harsh. Yeah. Saying, the judge is saying, I wish I could I kill you. I wish I could kill you. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, that's harsh. What? In case you're wondering if there was any anti-Irish sentiment at the time, by the way. The harshness is also that the, the rest of the family, the aunt... His two cousins all get jail time and mm -hmm. not an insignificant amount. Yeah, decades. Yeah. A com combined between them, decades. Yeah. So they go to prison. Giuseppe still remaining positive. I'm just like, you fucker. I don't know how you can do this. Mm -hmm. Uh,. I do like the scene where they get their food and I guess the the main prison stud tells to get that scum off my floor. Mhm. Mm I always I always I'm always a fan of prison politics. Uh it always intrigues me. Scares the shit out of me, but uh, always intrigues me. Yeah. Much like uh much like we would not hold up in uh in torture. How, how do you think you'd do in prison? Man? I would die. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I would, I, you know, the funny thing is, is that I have thought about this probably more than I want, than I want to. I don't have anything that I would get thrown in jail for, but I'd be like, I think I would just, just put me in isolation. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I would be able to handle a uh, general population. Yeah, no thanks. I'm not ready to join a gang. Yeah, I, I I have I have a difficult enough time deciding what paper towel to buy. I don't need the difficulty of deciding on a gang or oh my god, what if no gangs want me? Yeah, that would. Yeah, I don't I don't need those politics in my life. No, I, I'm the, I am the torment of solitary confinement, please. Yeah, I could I could handle solitary confinement. I I I I'm I'm I, told it's fucking hell. Apparently, solitary confinement is fucking hell. Yeah, it it is. Uh. uh Morgan Spurlock, the guy that made um, the McDonald's documentary. Oh yeah. He he went. He did uh, another. He used to have the show where he would do something for thirty days, like try different things for thirty days in the in the vein of his uh, Super Size Me documentary. Oh, shit. And, and he, he tried solitary confinement. Yes. 
Now, which was worse for his health? He, that would be <laughs> he, 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 went to j he went to jail for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And then I think he did, I think he tried two days of solitary confinement, I, I if I remember correctly. Or it was, it was a pretty small amount, and he did not last long. Mm -hmm. He, yeah, it was, it, was, it was not good for him. Yeah. Um, the, on that happy note. Yeah, on that happy note. The head of the IRA, uh, I think it's John McAndrews, um, mm -hmm. they don't show why he got arrested, but he got arrested and reveals to the police officers that he is responsible for the Guilford bombing and tells them, you have innocent people in jail. The second he said that, I was like, oh, you're going to die. And he didn't. I thought for sure this motherfucker was dead when he said that. Yep. And you can see the look of fear on their face, on the mm -hmm. on the police officer's face. And one of them, the actual one who threatened to kill Jerry Conlon's dad, racked with guilt. Yeah. He knows he fucked up. Yeah. Big time. Big time. I, I can't I can't even imagine that level of guilt. Yeah, and like just knowing that you have done an unforgivable thing and you have taken you have taken time away you've taken parts of people's lives away um for you know i think it's it's like 11 people because mm -hmm. they have the guildford four and the mcguire seven yep yeah so you for 11 people you have taken away uh irretrievable parts of their lives yep with your lies yeah and no one will ever forgive you and you know that yes and then this guy comes in hey by the way i know the truth yeah, that's a that's a pit in your stomach right there. Right. So McAndrews arrives at the prison, um, and then stands up for himself. And Jerry's impressed, uh, very impressed, to see someone that is willing to stand up for what he believes in, the exact opposite of what he feels Giuseppe is. Mm -hmm. uh, McAndrews comes into the cell and tells them that he told the cops. He's like, "I'm very sorry." What I love here is that you expect you can see that Jerry's like, oh, he's like, well, somebody at least somebody knows, and and you know that's great, and maybe we can do it. Giuseppe still disgusted mm -hmm. because that man is still a murderer. Yeah, he's it, a very principled man. Yeah, very principled man. Uh, mm -hmm. I do love that scene. Um, I I love this next scene where McAndrews goes to Ronnie Smalls, I guess the head of the and, th and threatens him. Mm -hmm. uh, basically says, uh, your guys aren't going to touch us. Otherwise, the the people at 74 Guildford Lane or whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, there there could be an explosion there. And <laughs> the balls. You are locked. You are locked in a space with this man. Yep. And you, who is presumably in jail for murder. I yep. mean, I don't think we ever find out what he's in jail for, but we know that he's not a nice man, and these are troublesome times yep. in the UK. Hardened criminals, and you're just gonna you're gonna walk up and just and threaten his family. Yeah, the balls. Yeah, but that's that's what you have to be when you're in the IRA. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Sam, I can tell you this: like, the IRA was a was pretty big news, like when I was a kid. And I was, I was terrified of them. Really? Even though I I'd, I'd done nothing wrong to the Irish, I was ter like I was like I don't want to go to Ireland or to the UK. I don't want to get bombed. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, I do like that they try to make McAndrews a little bit of a sympathetic character because he does start that riot to raise awareness of the Conlin's uh, innocence. Yeah, a peaceful protest. Yep. A peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's here that Jerry finally meets Gareth after the peaceful protest. Uh, another instance of UK prison being slightly cushier than US prison. Uh, Jerry walks into this scene holding a coffee mug with his initials on it. Yeah. <laughs> how very delightful. How very quaint. Or I guess since it's the UK, it's probably tea in that mug. Probably. Yeah. Um, the scene where Jerry and Gareth uh, meet, um, Dan is really good in this scene as well. Uh, it should come as no surprise that uh, our good friend Dan Lewis is spectacular in this film. Yes. As he, he's been, he's been great so far. And I mean, we'll only continue to get better. Yeah. We have a really nice scene between, um, I guess the head guard Barker and Giuseppe where Barker's asking about Giuseppe's name. How are you an Irish guy with an Italian name? Yeah. And he even asks when he says that it was an ice cream man who lived down the street from my parents. He's like, well, did him and your mom ever like, like is that why you're named after him I even just laughs it off he's he's too polite to get offended by it yeah now, this is noticed upon by uh, McAndrews sadly and McAndrews uh, needs to send a message mm-hmm. and so during the uh, a prison time where they get to watch The Godfather I'd be so mad they interrupted this movie the second the score started to play I was like oh they're watching The Godfather <laughs> <laughs> and they light Barker on fire uh, the writing of this scene is really good yes uh, from the moment uh, one of them smoking a cigarette and McAndrew I think says put that out you know from that moment you're like oh something's afoot yeah, there is something not very right. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty horrible, and it's here that Jerry has had enough of McAndrews' basic constant war against the English. Mm-hmm. Enough's enough, and uh, he's had enough. This is where we also get the first kind of real n- notice that Giuseppe's health is in severe decline Mm -hmm. and the late great Pete Postlewaite is killing it here this is where even though he's been pretty good up at this point it's here when his health starts to decline that we get some really great scenes and you can see why he got his Oscar nomination yeah the scene uh, the next one that I have a big note on as far as their acting is concerned is the Vix scene where, yep. he, where yep. he's running or he's rubbing Vix on in his dad's chest yeah and they're uh, they're sort of reminiscing together uh, about uh, about Jerry's childhood but at the same time Giuseppe is still his dad and they still have this bickering argument between them mm-hmm. like just kind of small things uh, i have the line written down can i not say a fucking thing to you without you contradicting me yeah <laughs> like, they, they can't even have like a nice father-son discussion without having some of the squabble coming back so exactly uh, they really come off like real like a real relationship like a real father-son relationship it's messy um and they both have a lot of trouble being vulnerable 
Giuseppe asks uh, Jerry to hold his hand. And yes. Jerry kind of scoffs at him. He's like, well, get the fuck out of here. Like, no, I'm not going to hold your hand. Like, Come on. After he's just shared this really touching memory about the, the smell of tobacco and how he, it reminds him of his dad and it reminds him of his childhood. Yeah. And then his dad asks him for this one moment of vulnerability. He's like, hold my hand. He's like, no, I'm not going to hold your hand. <laughs> it's it's really, really sweet yeah. and really adorable. Uh, and Giuseppe reveals that he's scared to die in jail. Mm-hmm. And it's touching. It's uh, It's a really great scene and a really great performance from Pete, from the late great Pete Postlewaite. Giuseppe stops breathing and Jerry panics as he knows that he's about to, to lose his da. His da. <laughs> and Giuseppe passes away and Jerry is steely in his resolve in his cell. Not I think it's to not show the guards that this has affected him. I think mm-hmm. that's the reason. Like, I don't really know why he's trying to be so strong by himself in that cell. But the fire tribute almost had me crying. Yeah, it's really nice. The I, I have it called the Cascade of... Is it newspapers? That's yeah. what I thought they were. The Cascade of Newspapers on Fire. Another example of UK prisons being cushy. All of these prisoners have lighters? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I guess they just... Uh, they're just content in their time and not uh, not trying to fuck around with anything else. Unlike, mm-hmm. uh, unlike American prisons, apparently. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the fire newspaper tribute is really touching. I love how they're all... Because they, all of them, all of them now know that Jerry and Giuseppe are innocent, mm-hmm. and so they're all yelling, uh, "They killed Giuseppe! They killed Giuseppe!" Um, it's a really great, a really touching moment, one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, Jerry dives into the campaign to get free and to work with Gareth. Um, Gareth on the outside uh, gets some um, rallies going. Um, it took me a while to realize that they were saying free the four. I I didn't really know what the crowds were saying. I had, I had subtitles on through this movie. Yeah. Good, <laughs> good call. I should probably yeah. start doing that when they have accents, uh, especially yeah. thick Irish accents. Yeah. As a rule of thumb, any movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, you can assume people are going to have accents. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair enough. Um, they have uh, – I can't remember what – Prom- is it Giuseppe's death that prompts Gareth's allowance to look into his files? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I think she was already working on their case. She was already. I think she was just primarily working on Giuseppe's because I think his was an easier case. Like the fact that he was just a guy, yeah, <laughs> who got roped roped up in the wrong thing, and his the evidence against him was largely circumstantial. I think she was work only working on his case and she was really only allowed to work on his case yeah because all of the evidence that was being withheld was in jerry's file anyway yeah so even with access to giuseppe's files the rules that they have to hinder her she's allowed like one piece of paper at a time she can she's not doing the photocopying at all yeah they have to use she has to use that pen so they can trace the ink so fucked up yeah and she's just looking at the like the head inspector like are you fucking kidding me like you're such a fuck 
Mm -hmm. um, again, and then a stroke of luck one day is, it, uh, this is one of the next notes I have, uh, just a stroke of luck that a guy has to, uh, has to sub for the inspector yeah. one day. We just have, we have another officer who doesn't know, obviously he's not privy to everything that's going on in this case. Because he's, he's not like, corrupt. Yeah, he's not corrupt. Either he's not corrupt or he's just ignorant. He yeah. just doesn't know that he's not supposed to be showing her certain things. So he's clearly not on the Conlon case. He's like, hey, which Conlon uh, do you need? And she's like, uh, Gerard? Gerard. Yeah, she Quick said, thinking. So, so cool. Instant answer. I, uh, as soon as she did, I felt, even though I know this fucking movie, I was like, yes, yeah. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when she said that, I, I let out a little audible gasp. I was like, ooh, we're going to find out some shit. And there's that fucking note on the file. Do yeah. not show to the defense. And you're just That's like, so messed up. It's so fucking bad. It's just, again, reminiscent. Yeah, they knew that it would be devastating to their case if this got out. Like, it would, it would basically proved that Jerry's alibi was legitimate. And then, it. and then we get to, again, at this point, I, like, as this is going on, I'm just like, why the fuck did Emma Thompson get nominated for mm. this movie? She's done almost nothing. Until this moment when the retrial starts. Mm -hmm. She is fucking astounding in this scene. Yeah, and her, she has to yell over top of a crowd that's cheering her on. Because yeah. everybody in that building now knows that these two men, well really these 11 people, were wrongfully convicted. Yeah. So she, these people are applauding and yelling and calling for blood. And she has to scream over top of them but in a firm, professional tone of voice. Yeah. And it's it's so well managed from an acting perspective that she that she is achieving this sort of balance of being able to scream over this courtroom, but also just be so calm and also kind of have that you can feel the emotion bubbling up under the surface and she just it seems like she's doing her best to remain cool yeah. in the emotion of it all it's a super emotional and charged scene it's so fucking good mm. and then when she brings out the picture of charlie burke yeah uh-oh <laughs> yeah and you and can... the, the cut to the inspector in like this weird dutch angle from yeah. below and he's like you can see in his eyes he's like fuck yeah <laughs> you are not supposed to have that yeah and then all the other evidence she has that completely exonerates jerry and would end up exonerating everybody just a fucking mic drop moment. Shout out to uh, Tom Wilkinson uh, working for the Crown. Yeah, yeah, Tommy boy. <laughs> and like a tiny appears. I, I was watching this movie by myself and I pointed at my TV. I was like, Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> 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 Mentioned on the podcast for the second time today. Oh, we're big Tom Wilkinson fans. Yeah, another one when he shows up in a movie. I'm like, what's up, baby? <laughs> Fuck, I, I'm a big fan of that guy. Yeah. Um. The retrial is absolutely fucking a, a, a spectacular scene. And then the dismissal of the case almost, almost had me crying. Yeah. It was close. It's so well done. And then just a fucking superstar moment here for DDL as he says, I'm a free man and I'm walking out the front doors. What a great line. I think that is authentic. I think so. I don't, I don't think that's a liberty being taken. I think he really did say that. Um, as well as the monologue on the TV. Uh, or I was held for 15 years for a crime I didn't commit. My father died in prison 
while serving time for a crime he didn't commit. Like that whole thing is, yeah. is all authentic. But yeah, I'm a free man. I'm going with the front door. It's such a cool line. Yeah. Wicked. Um, and then the end title cards of uh, no policeman has ever been convicted of any crime in this case. For a movie that is so uplifting in the end, mm-hmm. it's such an infuriating note to end it on. Yeah. Is just, I can't believe that the people who did this to them were allowed to walk free because they were policemen. It's so infuriating. It's, it's really, really infuriating that uh, these men were beaten and tortured physically and mentally, held for 15 years. The last years of Giuseppe's life were taken from him. And his yeah. life was probably shortened from being in that cell. Yeah. And uh, there's time that they couldn't get back. Time was stolen from them, and uh, nothing nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came of it. Just a, whoops, sorry, you're free. Yeah. Well, that wraps up in the, la- in, in the name of the father. I got some trivia for you. Please. Uh, in preparation for his role, she come as no surprise that Daniel Day-Lewis lost 30 pounds and spent nights in the jail cell on the set as crew members threw water and verbal abuse at him. Sometimes I think Daniel Day-Lewis isn't even real. Sometimes yeah. I think he's just made up. <laughs> uh, our good friend Dan Lewis uh, kept his Northern Irish accent on and off the set for the entire shooting schedule. Yeah, because he is from the Republic of Ireland, I believe. Yeah. Like the, the country that we normally refer to when we say Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, despite, despite playing father and son, uh, the late great Pete Postlewaite was only 11 years older than Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, sir, uh, I meant uh, Dan, our good friend Dan Lewis. A good friend Dan Lewis. Yeah. Um, writer, producer, and director Jim Sheridan was heavily criticized for fictionalizing much of the story. For example, the Guildford Four and the McGuire family had separate trials. Joe McAndrew, the IRA man who befriends Jerry Conlon in prison, was entirely fictional. Jerry and Giuseppe Conlon were in different prisons for most of their sentences, although solicitor Gareth Pierce was instrumental in investigating and preparing Jerry and Collins' case for the High Court of Appeal. She could not present the case in court because, due to British legal system rules, this could only be done by a trial barrister. Michael Mansfield, a barrister and QC, that stands for Queen's Counsel, presented the case. Also, Pierce never represented or even met Giuseppe Conlin, who died in 1980, nine years before the appeal was heard. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of uh, inaccuracies, but, you know, we've touched on that a bunch for yeah. sure. And speaking of inaccuracies, despite his executive producer credit, uh, Gabriel Byrne distanced himself from the project, chiefly due to the liberties taken with the details of the story. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Gabriel Byrne is uh, is Irish, right? Or is he Northern Irish? I'm he's, not totally he's sure. Irish. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have a couple of casting with us for you. Uh, Madeline Stowe was considered to play Gareth. I don't know if I know Madeline Stowe from anything. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, main main female. There you go. Main female from Twelve Monkeys. All right, two things. Okay. Um, Mel Gibson and Liam Neeson were considered for the role of Jerry Conlon. Both would have been good. Neither would have been this good. Yes, correct. And this would have been like, uh, well, this is pre Braveheart for Mel Gibson. Correct. But he's still. This is right in the. Right smack dab in the middle of his superstardom, correct? Correct. Yeah, so I'm sure he would have done just a fine job. Um, Bono was offered the role of Paul Hill, but U2's busy touring schedule prevented him from accepting. Yeah, but they uh, they composed a lot of the music 
Yep, I believe for for this movie. Uh, and the last note: Jerry Conlon befriended Johnny Depp during the summer of 1990 and was keen for Johnny to play him in the movie. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm sure that... that never really had a chance of happening, but probably not. Yeah, that's all I Especially got. Especially back then, because I mean, Johnny Depp wouldn't have been the household name back then that he is now. Mm. Well, I guess Edward Scissorhands was what year? I want to say 90? 89, 88, 90. Let's see what he was doing around that time. Jonathan Deputy Doo. <laughs> is that his full name on uh, Wikipedia? Yep. All right. Yeah. So, uh. Edward Scissorhands is 1990. Let's go. I got one. Uh, he would have been, yeah, he would have just been finishing up 21 Jump Street and had also starting Crybaby in the same year. So, yeah, this is just the beginning of his stardom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Weird. All right. Um, favorite quote? I have five. And they're all Jerry. Okay. Um, I'm an innocent man. I spent 15 years in prison for something I didn't do. I watched my father die in a British prison for something he didn't do. And the government still says he's guilty. I want to tell them that until my father's proved innocent, until all the people involved in this case are proved innocent, until the guilty ones are brought to this justice, I will fight on in the name of my father and of the truth. Hell yeah. Uh, next up is Jerry. I'm a free man, and I'm going out the front door. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is between Jerry and a detective. When can I go back to Belfast? Next time you'll see Belfast, they'll be flying day trips to the moon. I always wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> uh, Jerry, A, you're very good at the English, aren't you? You see, I don't understand your language. Justice, mercy, clemency. I literally don't understand what those words mean. I'd like to put in an application to get all my teeth extracted. That way I could put my fist in my mouth and never speak another word of the fucking English so long as I live. Do you see what I'm saying, Mrs. Pierce? Is it? And the last one, still Jerry. You're not looking me in the eye when you're speaking to me. You see, I know how to look at people without blinking as well. In all my godforsaken life, I have never known what it's like to want to kill somebody until now. You're a brave man, Joe. A brave man. <laughs> Good picks. Thank you. I, too, have five. All right. Uh, so number one is actually the same as the last one you mentioned. In all my godforsaken life, I've never known what it is like to want to kill someone until now. Number two is from Giuseppe. It's a cliche, but honest money goes further. Such good fatherly advice. That is good. I like <laughs> good call. That's a good one. Uh, number three. Uh, I'm an innocent man. I spent 15 years in prison for something I didn't do. I watched my father die in a British prison for something he didn't do. And this government still says he's guilty. I want to tell them that until my father is proved innocent, until all the people involved in this case are proved innocent, until the guilty ones are brought to justice, I will fight on. In the name of my father, end of the truth. Nice. Number four, I'm a free man, and I'm going out the front door. Number five... <clears throat> It's a pity you were not charged with treason to the crown, a charge that carries a penalty of death by hanging, a penalty which I would have no difficulty passing in this case. Even though that's an unpleasant one, that is one of the ones that knocked me on my ass. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great pick. I, yeah. I applaud you for that one. Uh, my favorite quote is, 
I'm a free man, and I'm going out the front door. Yeah, I'm picking the same one. That's such a good line. Yeah. Uh, Favorite scene? uh, I've got six. Cool. I've got the interrogation. I've got the attack on Barker. I've got the fire tribute to Giuseppe. I have the retrial, and I'm counting the verdict of the retrial as part of that scene as well. Mm -hmm. I've got uh, him walking out the front door, and McAndrews goes to Ronnie Smalls. Okay, all good picks. Surprisingly, I have eight, although two of those are a split version of one that you had as oh, Okay. Uh, so I have the riot scene at the very beginning. Nice. I have Jerry getting interrogated and tortured. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, uh, Jerry seeing his dad in prison for the first time. Okay. Where he talks about the medal. Uh, number four, uh, the attack on the guard during the Godfather. Yep, the attack on Barker. Mm-hmm. Number five, the Cascading Fire tribute. Yep. Number six, Jerry putting Vicks on Giuseppe's chest. Nice. Uh, Number seven, Mrs. Pierce presenting evidence of Jerry's innocence. And uh, what I have as number eight, Jerry going out the front door. Perfect. My favorite scene is the retrial. Mm -hmm. Her presenting the evidence. I think, yes, I'm going to go with the same as you. All right. Closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? Uh, as established in non-spoiler, I believe there are three. There are three. And what I, do you know? They got nominated. The Oscars I, got something right. Would I... Question. Mm. Would we have wanted Emma Thompson nominated if we didn't know she had been nominated? I would have. I Yes, I, I think so. On yeah. the strength of that one scene. I don't think she's bad in the other scenes. Like, she's, she's not. She's not she's good. She's perfectly fine. She, she's not doing anything that is Oscar worthy until that scene. Like I'm not kidding. Nothing. Mm. There's nothing yeah. she does in the in that entire movie until that one scene. I will say I didn't notice the, I didn't notice her performance one way or another as far as strength or weakness. I wasn't really, um, at that point I was pretty invested in the story. I was not disappointed by the first several scenes, but that scene in the courtroom locked it in for me personally. I, in my opinion, it's the only reason she's nominated. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Like, like here's my example. Like you take, we can, let's, let's just take out, let's take out DDL's scene where he first sees Giuseppe in this, in the same cell. And he talks about the medal. Take that out. This mm-hmm. is still an Oscar performance from Daniel yeah. day Lewis. You take out that trial scene from Emma Thompson, and this is not an Oscar-nominated performance. Very true, but like, there's a big difference of removing just one scene from a lead performance and removing just one scene from a supporting performance. Okay, then Pete Postlewaite's a supporting actor. I'll take out that vapor rub scene. I still think it's a, it's a supporting actor performance. For sure, yeah. But, I mean, he's definitely in the movie a lot more than Emma Thompson. Yeah, he's a supporting character just like she is. Yeah, but these things can exist on a gradient. Yeah. Like we're allowed to have some subtlety in here, we right? We can, but you take out one scene and it's no longer an Oscar-worthy performance, that says a lot about the, the screen time and the performance as well. It, she's, I, she's not in one scene. She's in a lot. Oh, that's fair. That's, that's an entirely fair argument, but it's like if you remove the good things that she did, she wasn't that good. Well, yeah, obviously. I didn't say good right. things. She did, <laughs> she did a good thing. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. If, it raises the aver- it raises the overall quality of the performance. It is it is in the movie and it is spectacular. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I I'm not disagreeing. I just the rest of her performance is so 
middle of the road. It's okay. just it's it's just ele- it's elevated by one scene. That's mm-hmm. that's just odd to me. Okay, that's fine. I, I if you have alternate people you would rather have nominated by the end, I'm sure we'll talk about them. But I I have no problem with the nomination. I doubt I'll have somebody to nominate because it's the '90s and it's fights. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> didn't fucking go. make movies for women. Yeah. Um, what other aspects of the film are award worthy? We talked about the cinematography being a little uh, underwhelming. Um, you know what? One thing we didn't talk about in the uh, overturning of the uh, the overturning of the verdict, uh, we didn't talk about the editing of that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of cuts to the reaction shots of each of the people being exonerated mm-hmm. uh, that are really, really good. And I feel like that scene may have earned them or may have done some legwork in earning them an editing nomination as well. Yep. Uh, which which they did get. But like what aspects in the awards that they didn't get recognized for mm-hmm. would be award worthy? Nothing. I agree. Nothing. Didn't notice the score. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say nothing. <laughs> Not the cinematography. So when when you ask this question, you're you're meaning specifically of the ones they did not get nominated for. Generally, what else? like well, like. When I talk also about the Oscar-worthy performances, obviously we know the three main characters did, but I'm also talking about anybody else. Oh, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. For for the record, even though we didn't really touch on it explicitly, I think you and I agree there's really nobody else that qualifies. The only other person that would have enough screen time to qualify would be the guy that played John McAndrews. Yeah, and, and he's no. not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the art direction is worthy like the jail cells well constructed but looking at the other dire- uh, the other nominees from that year it's not touching them mm-hmm. well I, I shouldn't say that I, I haven't seen orlando but the other four i have um weak link of the film uh, i'm honestly not too sure um i think for you, it appears to be the inaccuracies of the actual story. Well, that was my that was my initial gut instinct, but like I said, it really didn't bring it down a star at all for me. Like I, I feel pretty confident that I'm going to rate it the same one way or the other. I kind of wish that it had been a little more accurate, but you know, we can't always get what we want. <laughs> hmm. I, I guess by default, because I really didn't have any other big problems with the movie, that that may be it for me, but. My weak link of the film is just because I've seen the movie before, and that was how long it took to get to the part of the movie I was interested in. Yeah, but that's fine, fine too. But I don't think it's a weak link because you need to establish that part of the character to get to know him, to establish who he is, what he was doing, and why he was where he was. Mm-hmm. So... I, I can't really say it's a weak link. I, it, it's a well-crafted movie. It's yeah, it totally worthy of its Best Picture nomination. Was this anyone's career highlight? Mm, no for Dan Lewis. <clears throat> uh, what is Pete Postlewaite's career highlight? I think we've talked about this before, maybe. Or I don't know if we ever have actually talked about this. Um, I don't really know what he's known for specifically. Well, let's see. I'm pretty sure this is only... <clears throat> Well, they have, for IMDb, they have Suspects, Town, Inception, and the Lost World Jurassic Park as what he's known for. Oh, I forgot he was in Inception, too. Yeah. Well, he's 
fucking laid up in a hospital bed the whole time. It's not yeah. really a true like Inception being on that list is kind of horseshit in my opinion. Mm. Like he yeah. d- he does nothing. He literally lays in a bed. When I think of Pete Passaway, I think of the town. I think I, of the usual suspects. Yeah, I, I think more people would think of the usual suspects in the town. The town's a, a, a homer pick for that, but in general, I would say his career highlight is uh, usual suspects. This was his only Oscar nomination. Worth noting as well. It, again, there. this is always a tough question because it really depends what angle you want to take it from. You know, if career highlight is the one that received the most critical praise whether it's the one where they received the most notoriety whether it's the one where we think they had the best performance you know it's it's all sort of there's a number of different ways you could take this question um for notoriety i would say definitely more people know him as kobayashi from uh from usual suspects um but if you want to go with his best performance yeah I, i can get on board with this one for sure i mean I would disagree. I would say it's the town, but, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, him getting an Oscar nomination for it isn't nothing. Hmm. Stuff, stuff call. I would, uh, I'm, I'm going to lean usual suspects personally from like a cultural impact point of view. I agree. Yeah. Will this make anyone's highlight reel? Uh, I mean, Daniel Daniel Day Lewis is only in like a movie every five years, so like by definition, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he has obviously some of the best acted scenes in the movie, but as far as best acted scenes of his career, I don't know. I'm gonna say probably not. He's in Gandhi. Huh. Must have a small role. Dan Lewis is. Yeah. Really. Yeah. How about that? I I would have to. This is an Oscar-nominated performance, so I'd have to 100% say this is making his highlight reel. Yeah, but isn't like every performance that he does Oscar-nominated or nearly? <laughs> How many? Was times... he nominated for Last of the Mohicans? No. Yeah. How many Oscar nominations do you think he has, including obviously the ones he won for? Well, yeah, he's got three wins. Yeah. Three wins for actor. Uh, the only one I believe with three wins for actor. Uh, I'm gonna go with, and then de- definitely one for this one. So. I don't know. Can't have many more than that. I would go, like six. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You know, I don't know if I know what the other two are. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Okay. Um. Oh. Um. The one. The Phantom Thread. Yeah. And the other one is a movie we reviewed. Gangs of New York. There you go. Okay. Cool. All right. I guess I do know them. Oh. Do you? But do you know the three he's won for? Uh, my left foot. There you go. Lincoln and uh, there will be blood. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. We know our Dan Lewis around these parts. Well, he's our good. <laughs> he's our good friend. He is our good friend. Like we wouldn't be able to call him that if we didn't know the stuff about him. Is this making Emma Thompson's highlight reel? Um, for what I have seen of her, yes. But my experience oh. with Emma, Th- I would say in general, no. I agree. I don't think she is. Yeah, she's uh, she's done too much outside of this just that i haven't seen 100 percent. yeah god she's so good yeah again through the early 90s as we've been talking about her she has been knocking it out of the goddamn park yeah i did time and time again i kind of forgot like how great she was at this time damn all mm-hmm. right oh mvp of the film it's our good friend. 
it. Yeah, it's our good friend. <laughs> Dan Lewis. Uh, what will be this film's legacy? It doesn't really have much of one, I guess. It is, uh, when I think about this movie in the future, I'll think about it as one that told an uncomfortable story about injustice mm-hmm. in, a, in a gratifying way. Um, but in general, I don't think it really has much of a legacy, at least in this part of the world. Maybe if you asked uh, somebody from the UK or Ireland, they might have a different uh, a different perspective on it. Oh, but for me, it really doesn't have much of one. I agree. I bet you in the UK, this film has a little bit more of a legacy to it. Mm-hmm. But over here, for me, the, this film's legacy is is one of his six nominations. Yeah, definitely. Would you watch this movie again? I think I would. Yeah, I had a, I had a good time with this one. I'll probably need some time with it. But uh, I would I would visit this down the road for sure. I definitely would watch this movie again. Uh, would you recommend this movie to friends? Yes, I think I would, depending on the circumstance. All right. Uh, I would for sure. Again, depending on the circumstance. I don't think this is going to be on the uh, on the tip of my tongue for a movie to recommend. But uh, if somebody's like, I could really go for like a good true story. I'd be like, you should watch this. Mm-hmm. Sam, your final thoughts on In the Name of the Father. Well, I finally got to watch it all the way through, outside of the first 10 minutes of the movie. So uh, I was glad that I managed to. Anytime I can watch a movie with three actors who I respect deeply, uh, Sir Daniel Day-Lewis, who gets the Sir title this this one time. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Dan Lewis, the late, great Pete Postlewaite, and Emma Thompson, uh, all three of whom are among the finest actors. Well... I would say Daniel Day-Lewis and Emma Thompson are among the finest actors that have ever graced the planet Earth. Yes. I think Pete Postlewaite is sort of in the, like, B tier of that. Like, I think he's a fantastic actor, but he just never really got the chance to shine like these two did. I think, for me, Pete Postlewaite is the kind of actor where he doesn't... Obviously, he only had one Oscar nomination, but every time he's in a movie, he's always good, and you're always glad he's in it. That's the kind of actor he is. Yeah, I've... I'm excited every time I see him in a movie. So, yeah. Um, yeah, a movie that has three names that I that I really deeply respect in the film world. I was really excited when I discovered who was in this. Um, you know, from a from an Oscars perspective, it wasn't necessarily the the most technically proficient film we've seen. We've certainly seen ones that uh, blow this one out of the water. But uh, scenes like the riot right in the beginning are great, and they're super well constructed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, kind of middle of the road as far as technical aspects are concerned. Uh, really well done as far as the acting, and overall just a story that I'm glad I know of now because it's it's a really horrifying story. And um, something we didn't really touch on is that it would have been impossible for this movie to know in 1993. But Jerry Coleman really didn't have a great life. Uh, after being released from prison, mm-hmm. he um, understandably had some demons, uh, problems with substance abuse after the fact, and died pretty young. I think at 60 is what I read. So uh, he didn't really have a great life after the fact. Uh, so I think it's good that you know this movie exists to uh, honor honor him a little bit and the, and the time that was taken from him. Mm, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. This movie, uh, this movie's. Well, not uh, a technical masterpiece. Um, it's lifted by three incredible performances, uh, especially one powerhouse performance at the end by Emma Thompson. Uh, but the rest of the movie is carried on the backs of uh, the late, great Pete Bosselwaite and our good friend Dan Lewis. Mm-hmm. It's just an actor's showcase 
and highlights a, a story that I wouldn't have known about otherwise living over here in America. And um, yeah, it's just a movie I really enjoyed. I was really glad to revisit it and I'll probably watch it again probably within the next five years for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam, what are you going to drop as a rating for In the Name of the Father? I feel pretty comfortable for both of us. I, I suspect we have the same rating out of four. I had a good time. It's a well-made movie, well-acted movie. Never really came close to getting into five territory for that extra emotional connection, mm -hmm. or that extra X factor, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's a, a good movie that I'll definitely watch again. It's a four. 100% four uh, for me as well. Uh, I'm really glad you gave it a four. I was kind of anticipating a three from you. Oh, but I had a good time. Awesome. Wicked. Uh, what's going on next week? Next week, episode 195, one I am interested for, Sleepless in Seattle, uh, a movie I have not seen. I am aware that uh, Meg Ryan was kind of a thing in the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> so uh, I think I've seen parts of You've Got Mail, not even the whole thing. Okay. Uh, never, never seen uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, it's our, uh, it's uh, another well-respected actor as far as the uh, the podcast podcast is concerned. It's Tom Hanks, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, again, I'm going in basically blind to this. From my understanding, it was a huge hit at the time. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's held up. Okay. I wonder how well it has. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reviewing this with you. Do you... How much do you know about this movie? Let's have another fun one with one you've never seen. Do you know the premise of the movie? The premise of the movie. Okay, so... What do, Okay, no, go ahead. Go I've ahead. received confirmation, okay. I think, that this is indeed Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. That's accurate? That is 100% accurate. Okay, all right. So I'm not going to make an ass of myself. It's about um, a writer in Montana. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, not, not going down that, that rabbit hole again. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know. I imagine it largely takes place in Seattle. Okay. I think I think there is an iconic scene on the Space Needle. That's in my head that okay. exists. Okay. Oh no. Uh No, I'm I'm not actually I'm not entirely sure of that. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't even know. And again, even if I did know anything about this movie, I feel like I conflate this one and uh and you've got mail into like kind of one movie. Okay. Fair. <laughs> you know, I I don't even know where to begin for a guess. Fairly I certain it's a is a cheesy rom-com of sorts where Tom Hanks is just a good guy who falls in love with a girl. There's probably a meet cute. There's probably a happy Hollywood ending. I really don't know. <laughs> All right. So you don't even know what the what, what's your, what's your guess of the premise then? Uh, Tom Hanks uh, has um, insomnia <laughs> and lives in Seattle. Okay. And because of that insomnia, will walk around Seattle late at night. And uh, and run into Meg Ryan, who he will fall in love with, who is a fellow insomniac. That is my that is my guess for the plot. I love it. Yeah. Let's see how close you are <laughs> next week when we review Sleepless in Seattle. Cheers. All right. What a fun. We're going to do this with movies you haven't seen going forward. I hate this. I want you to know. It's fun. But I will continue to do it. It is fun for me. I won't lie. For, the, for those wondering what the reference was before, if you didn't listen to the Tombstone episode, I completely was wrong about the plot because, as it turns out, I know nothing about Wyatt Earp. Yeah, he did. He thought Wyatt Earp was a writer. Yeah. 
so when he uh when he placed the uh, you know i'm not even gonna get into that again right now but... <laughs> yeah all right so, so next week we're gonna review sleepless in seattle about two insomniacs in seattle <laughs> who meet up while walking around the city late at night you pressured me for that description okay i just want that on the record <laughs> i just asked for what you thought the premise would be yeah. that's all delightful <laughs> Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review and a positive rating. It does increase the profile of our podcast. You can also now give us a rating on Spotify. Please, it just takes mere seconds to do so. We would greatly appreciate it. It means the world to us, just like you do. We really appreciate everyone that listens. It means a lot to us. We did get some uh, some nice feedback on our anniversary episode. Um, we do appreciate each and every one of you that listens. It, me- it does mean a lot to us. Sam and I love doing this, and we love the fact that people actually listen. Uh, you can Some of them do. Some of them do. Yeah. <laughs> Some. It's a very small number. So if you are in that number, count yourself uh, pretty lucky. You're in if, an... you're, if you're still listening to us now, hey, yeah. what's up? Look at you, uh, you know, savvy listener listening yeah. right to the end. You're, ver- you're in a very exclusive club. I appreciate you, and you are good-looking, and I hope you have a great day. Nice. You can contact us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manning underscore movie. You can email us at sammanningmoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. For the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I'm a free man, and I'm going out the front door. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!